Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm so happy to be here. How are you? Happy 2023 to you. Talking to you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Hello. No one else here in the room to hear that. Thank you, and to you. Thank you so much. That's the sign of our rust. A little rusty here on the podcast because we've been gone for about a month and really just done two podcasts over the last two months. We've tried so hard, but someone is sick every other day. We were planning to do it last week, and then of course, uh, of course, course, of course, of course, <laughs> of course, I got food poisoning. So here we are. We're healthy, and we're drinking some delicious wine. Rare bout of food poisoning for two people in the family, our our six-year-old and Catherine here next to me. So yeah, it's been a struggle for us. And now there are some listeners out there who keep up with our life via this podcast. So you already know that we've tried to to tape, but uh, this is not our full-time job. And we try to do it when our, you know, kids are healthy and their kids have not been healthy. They did get healthy over the break, which was great. We decided over the holiday break to cancel a trip to Colorado and thankfully we did because we were, we were going to fly southwest. Yep. So we probably would have never gotten on the flight anyway or never well, come we, home depending on how yeah, the timing. The flight to come back to LA was canceled and we couldn't have rebooked until, I don't know, at least four or five days after that. So your parents so, who were also a little, who were already a little bit nervous about having us come would have had us for four extra days. That would I know. Well, here, we are a lot. We are a lot. We're five people. Also... When we come, when we go to their house, they have to leave. Like they stay with their neighbors right. and we take over their whole house. Anything that is breakable is put away and we just, you know, launch into it. But, you know, when we went there last year, the three year old threw up in their bed. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> four extra days would have been a little rough. Would have ruined your relationship. Perhaps. So here we are celebrating the new year and we're celebrating a new episode of the long finish it's episode 92 of the long finish want to talk some goals with Catherine for the year oh oh surprise maybe maybe we'll talk about that over a course of a couple episodes but one of my goals for the year last episode we did burgundy hopefully in 2023 we want to delve into some of the more choice proper capital letter areas for wine in the world varietals, et cetera, regions. The heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. So we're doing one tonight. We're starting off the year with Chateau Neuf de Pop. Chateau Neuf de Pop. This is Domaine de la Solitude, Chateau Neuf de Pop, France, vintage 2020. And we chose this region, we chose this wine tonight because it is such a iconic region. It is such an iconic wine. People ask for Chateauneuf de Pop for gifts, for drinking, for friends. It is such a uh, a wine that people think of when they think of France, when they think of red wine, when they think of something special that they want to drink. And we have this bottle at Esther's. The great thing about Chateauneuf de Pop, and I don't want to like get into this too much right now, but like It doesn't have to sit in your cellar forever. This bottle we have had open for a while. 
okay, what, two hours? Because I wanted to open it early, maybe an Three hour. Hours. And right now it is singing. It's singing. And this is a 2020. That is fantastic. So we can get more into it, but I'm just, this is a red for so many people to enjoy. My goodness. And a region that's, I mean, the label itself, always people love Chateauneuf. They just love the way the label is with the coat of arms. But what's in the bottle is equally delicious. I like the coat of arms. I also like the the lettering. The, the font is so cool. It's very classic. It's got like a, I'm sure it's hitting on things much older than what I'm going to say, but it has like this like 1950s movie font, like this big, almost calligraphy kind of thing that reminds you of like Ben-Hur and... It's so the, classic. The, it's very, yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's very striking. So we're going to get to that in just a moment, but I want to catch you up on what's been going on in our world. We, we, as you heard, we are getting the kids healthy, hoping to have a run of podcast episodes. So stay tuned for that and get some, we have some real guests lined up, folks. This is really happening this year. This is part of the, the goals for 2023. Zoom guests. We may have person guests. in-person town coming to our townhouse guests. It's going to be it's going to be a real wine fest. So catch up on that. Our kids are back in school. Thank goodness. Big news in our world is that I try to get my son, my six-year-old, into basketball, a league. And I called up this league and they said... Uh, Sir, do you know this has been open for two and a half months and people have been signing up and this, this some, there's a big wait list? I said, I'm sorry. I did not know that. And they said, well, are you interested in coaching? And I said, well, that helped me get my kid into the league. And this, he said, well, it'll move your kid right to the top of the list. I said, well, I'm, I'm coaching. <laughs> so I'm, I'm now coaching five and six-year-olds in a Mar Vista recreational league. Had our first practice on Monday. And it, it raises an interesting question. And you may be doing this to some degree with wine, Catherine, because it's like, what I played basketball for most of my life. How do you teach complete novice how to play this sport with, with patience? That is what I'm trying to learn right now. So for the practice, we basically said, I walked around for the first 10 minutes. And I said, what is this line, free throw line? What does this line mean? What does this half court line mean? What does the baseline, the boundary mean? Didn't even get into like fundamentals. I was just talking about like the basketball nuts and bolts. So that's going to be an interesting thing to check in on over the next couple of months. I love that. And I think, I mean, there's plenty of people of all ages who don't know a lot about basketball who might not know the answers to those questions. It's like, it's what I do with wine too. Like, hey, let's just put something in your glass and hold it in your hand and look at it. You know, what's it feel like to hold that ball? You know? Yeah, that's the way, you know, John Wooden, the great coach from UCLA, basically started with his players in the first day of their season was to basically have them tie their shoes. He said, you know, we're going to start by tying our shoes the right way so you don't have blisters. If you have blisters, you can't play. Can't play. Can't help me. So they started with the, the absolute fundamentals. In a lot of ways, we're doing that. So that's what's going on for fun in our life. Catherine, what's the latest with Esther's and your thoughts on the year for Esther's? Well... I'm not sure if you guys have been following the news, but there is a lot of rain in LA and in California, and more than half of Esther's seating is outside. That's a good point. So we've had to do a little bit of rearranging. Cozy Lounge is out for the moment. We put some real tables in there. We put some high top tables in the lounge. It's just feeling a little bit, you know, more tables, cozier. And so when it's full, the vibe is really nice, but we definitely have a lot less tables when it's raining. So it's not a huge 
change for January, but you know, not not as many people go out drinking in January as they do in December. But we'll see how it progresses. We'll see what happens with this rain. It's a bit of a tease because last week you did a tasting on non-alcoholic wines and mocktails. So you said, well, a lot of people not drinking in January, but they are doing other fun things. They want to be out. They yeah. still want to be out having fun. We had this rockin' tasting. It was so fun with non-alcoholic cocktails, non-alcoholic spritzes, non-alcoholic sort of wannabe wine type thingies in wine bottles that are delicious, which we maybe will have on the podcast in the future, something like that. But people want to be out there hanging out with friends, trying new beverages. That's what it's all about, making community. And it was sunny that day, so that was great. That's a big deal. (laughs) It was. Yeah, so... Making community is like a really big thing for me this year in 2023. I, I want to talk goals with you. I actually want to open this up to some of our guests that come on in, in uh, subsequent episodes, but do you have any immediate goals in your head? You have one revolving around books. Do you want to relay the number of books you want to read this year? Well, sh- sure. I want to read 25 books, which maybe isn't a lot to a lot of people that read more, but is quite a bit when you have three kids, uh, small kids. And I want to write more. I'm trying to do that and still play piano every day. So those are kind of a lot of things. My biggest goal, and you're going to be surprised by this, what's the number one pet peeve that you have of mine around the house? The piles. The piles. (laughs) I would do a docu-series on you. It would be a horror show of the organizational systems Oh, it's like it's a mini hoarders. It is a system, though. You are surprised when I immediately find stuff. I want to highlight immediately. The bulk of one pile on my night table is New Yorker magazines. Babe, you're going to die and you won't read nope, all those. That's my goal. That's, that's what I'm getting at. My goal this year is to get through the New Yorker magazines so I have no pile for you. So I'm, I'm documenting but, this. But, but there's a new one arriving every week. I know. It's like the Newman oh. joke about the... Postal Service in Seinfeld. But that's my goal. I'm going to, I'm not even going to put a dent in it. I'm going to clean that pile of New Yorker magazines. I'm going to read the pertinent information that I've been saving, and I will eliminate that. You here, listeners, are my witness. I'm going to take a before and a during and an after picture. Let's do it. So we're talking community here. You are part of this community of me uh, and my ultimate goal of reading all the New Yorkers that I have in front of me. I'm just going to go take out 10 and throw them <laughs> in the trash. So, you got that on the record. Let's get to the meat of the evening, which is the wine. Let's oh, the wine. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. So, let's tell our listeners again what we're drinking, and let's get into the first wine of the year, 2023. Yes. So, we are drinking Domaine de la Solitude. Chateauneuf-de-Pop, vintage 2020. This is from France. Chateauneuf-de-Pop, what a great name for a region. So southern France, we're in southern France, we're in the Rhone Valley. This is the southern part of the Rhone Valley, the bottom part. It's close to the border of Provence. It's just north of the city of Avignon. The west side is bordered by the Rhone River. It's not that big. It's like eight and a half miles long, five miles wide. And this is sunny. This is one of the sunniest parts of France. It's warm. It's like LA sunny. We're talking big, bold red wines. And 95% of Chateauneuf-du-Pape wines are red. There are Chateauneuf-du-Pape whites. I happen to love them. They're only 5%. But the reds are where it's at. 
And most of the people shopping or looking on menus wanting Chateauneuf, they're thinking about bold red wines, right? As in most regions of France, this was set up by the Romans and, you know, vineyards laid out, but really wasn't a proper wine region until quite early, actually, the 1300s. So 1300s, the papal seat comes to southern France. Now, you know about this because you're a history major. That's right, but you, you got the story. Well, Clement V, he comes to southern France, the, the papal seat's in Avignon, and he's into wine. He likes Bordeaux. He's into the wine around there. He's cultivating more wine growing. And so they start to make more, people start to make more wine. And that's kind of how eventually the name came to be, Chateauneuf de Pape castle of the pope or house of the pope and the papal seat was there until the late 1300s and so there was lots of wine growing happening after that wine growing kind of mellowed out you know and goes through the usual phylloxera the world wars and it's not really until the early 1900s that things kind of boost up but chateauneuf de pop was the very first french wine appellation created in 1936 which is a pretty Big deal. It is iconic. People know, they think of- You mean designated, right? Yes. The very first designated. And there are five communes, five little regions within the whole big Chateauneuf-du-Pape. There's Chateauneuf-du-Pape, there's Corazon, there's Orange, there's Berides, there's Sorgueux. That's my- beautiful pronunciation. That's from largest to smallest. But all these regions are growing all the grape varieties that are allowed in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. And if you know about this, you know there are 13 allowable grape varieties. Now, the big one, and some Chateauneufs are 100% Grenache Noir, but the big one is Grenache. That is the staple, the main grape variety in all of this. Now, there's 13 varietals, but if you name all of the variations of them, the rosé versions and the white versions, there's like 20-something. But we're talking Grenache, Syrah, Movedra, Cinso, Claret, Vacarese, Borbalanc, Roussan, Cunoise, Muscardine, Picpoul, Picardin, and Tourette Noir. That's a lot of stuff. Most of the time we're talking about Grenache. And some of these Grenache vines are really old. Grenache vines, they can stay good for a long time. They can grow old. Many are over 100 years old. And they're so cool to look at. They're head trained. They're head pruned vines. So they're not on the trellises. They're really thick and gnarly. They're low to the ground because there are like crazy winds called the Mistral winds that whip through this area. And they produce really concentrated fruit. Now, the young vines can do well as well. You have to be, I believe the vines have to be at least four years old to produce Chateauneuf de Pop, but they're amazing old vines as well. And so, okay, so I talked about the wind. The other thing that's kind of special about this sunny, warm, beautiful region is the soils. When people talk about the galettes, those are the big stones, but really there's a variety of soils in this whole region. 
there's stones, there's pebbles, there's sand, and there's clay. And the stones are really important because they reflect light. They absorb heat during the day and give heat to the vines at night. They can protect the roots from the wind. um, And they can produce more concentrated, bigger, powerful wines. Wherever there's clay, that's definitely producing powerful wines. And then sand The sandy areas produces more finesse, more elegance in the wines. That's about like water retention. Exactly. And how the sun, how the heat is absorbed. Now, you're really only allowed to irrigate twice a year in Chateauneuf, which is kind of a big deal because it is really warm and really sunny. And so that's fine. Grenache grows quite well and it takes the heat well. It's so suited to this area. And, you know, the next level of grapes that are in Chateauneuf, Syrah, Grenache, Mavedra, those take to that as well. I mean, all of these grapes are so suited to this climate that it makes sense. Everything's got to be done by hand. But the cool thing, because the wind and because of this warm climate, there's not like a lot of rot. There's not a lot of worry as much about pests. So, so many of the producers are organic, are biodynamic, are sustainable. This producer is working organically. It's a lot easier in this region than other regions where there's a lot of rain and it's wet. So that's kind of a cool thing here. Okay, this is a cool producer because they are one of the oldest families in Chateauneuf de Pop. Their roots go back to the 15th century. And Florent Lanson, he is his family, it's family run. He's the eighth generation in his family to be running this winery. But his great, great, grandfather, great, great, some more greats in there. They were the first to label their wine in this region and sell it. They were selling it in other parts of France and in England, which is kind of a pretty big deal back in the day. They were first to do a lot of things. The family itself, if you read on their website, their website is really beautiful, by the way, it will make you want to go there in a heartbeat. But their family also has like some Italian royalty in it. It's kind of a juicy history. But the family has been there for eight generations, which is really cool. And it's not teeny tiny, but it's not huge. They have 37 hectares and they make a Cote de Rhone. They make the Chateauneuf de Pop. They have a wonderful situation there and they're producing organically. Now, this Chateauneuf, like many, are primarily fermented and aged in concrete. And that's pretty common in the region and with Grenache. The concrete, and sometimes people use stainless steel as well, can keep it cool during fermentation. And Grenache is already such a big, powerful, and fruit-forward grape variety. It doesn't need all that oak to go with it. So this is 85% aged in concrete and 15% in barrel and demi-mui, so in wood, which is great because you can really taste the fruit and the wine itself. It's not covered in oak. This is amazing to drink now. I mean, I'm, it's opened up so much in the last three hours. When we first opened it, it was like, whoo, fruit bomb. And it is a fruit day, everybody. But it was so intensely fruity. And then it mellowed. It mellowed out into all the other things that we think about when we think about Chateauneuf de Pop. So I get the black cherry, the strawberry, 
there's like black raspberry, but now there's black pepper, there's like a real dry earthiness to it, there's spice, and there's garig. Garig is very typical thing you think of with Chateauneuf de Pop. It's a word that describes all the herbs and brush that blow around in that in in that area in the natural landscape in the vineyards, garrigue. And so you get all that, that dried herbaceousness. It's so much more complex now. It's delicious. I'm completely impressed that this is 2020. But that's also the beauty of Chateauneuf de Pop. It's, I would say that it can age 10 to 20 years. Ideally, you know, you're looking around the 10 to 12 year mark would be ideal. But the fact that this is tasting so great and this is 2020, that's the beauty. I just think that's such a wonderful aspect of drinking this iconic wine. Well, these winemakers do you all a service, those that drink the wine, by telling you a lot of information on the back. Oh, help As us out. As a matter out. of fact, they say that it's best enjoyed from three to 15 years after vintage. Mm. So giving you information on that. They also have tasting notes which are notes of garig bouquet. Oh, good. We got that. Citrus flower. Mm-hmm. Black currant buds. Fresh and balanced mouth with aromas of cocoa and cherry with a long finish on licorice. Oh, I get that. I definitely get the licorice. And the orange thing is very, that's like a tasting note you would need to call in a blind tasting for a Chateauneuf or something from Southern Rhone. But there's a lot going on with this wine. This is a textbook bottle of wine to show people where things evolve over time and really open up. I think this thing is this bottle of wine has changed so much over the course of three and a half hours where we went from, I don't know if this is something that is, is for us to something that feels very much for us. So that's, and, and, and we say that as people who don't necessarily go to these higher alcohol, 14.5% wines very often, big fruit four wines, but it is enjoyable and it fits a lot of palates. I think what's really cool about this is there's just this, you know, people want to drink young, fresh wines right now a lot. And it makes sense. We want to drink something that it's enjoyable to like crush a glass of and enjoy a bottle. But there is something so special about opening a bottle and drinking it so, so slowly over hours, just little sips and seeing what happens. And it takes a lot of patience and time, frankly, and I just don't think people, well, we just don't always do that, and it's so enjoyable. It's what wine is all about. Can I ask a question about the region of Chateauneuf de Pop? Is it within the Rhone region? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's like, give me an example of another region that kind of fits like Chateauneuf does. So in the Rhone, there are a bunch of different regions. There's Gigondas, there's Vaccara, there's Cote Rhone. Then there's a bunch of regions in the Northern Rhone as well. Those are all regions. Chateauneuf de Pop is one of those regions. So some like Cote de Rhone, for example, is larger and inclusive. And then those individual regions, Chateauneuf de Pop, are smaller and within that. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yep. Okay. But this, since I know Burgundy better, is the, the equivalent of like Rhone is is Burgundy, and Chateauneuf is like X. It'd be like Chablis. Chablis, okay, thank you. Right? It'd be something like that. 
All right, that makes that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, cool. Helpful for me as I put the picture in my head, and I'm sure for a lot of listeners out there trying to get a better idea of what Chetanuf looks like. Well, we talked about what it's tasting like. Can we talk about some food pairings for this wine? Such a versatile wine, I think. But when I will have you say. There's a quiz. They gave us some food pairings on the back of this label, so it's a bit of a test. Okay. Bit of a test. I think that one of the ones I'm supposed to say that's like iconic is lamb. Am I right? Got that right. That's the first one. Shoulder of lamb. (laughs) Okay. You nailed it. uh, Yeah. You got to know that for your sommelier exams. But it goes with a lot of spices, too. I remember thinking of like, you know, some like Moroccan chickpea stew or something that it would be really good bringing out all those spices it'd be great with you know me roast chicken bean stew gotta love it let me, let me just say the second one is roasted pigeon okay which would we, count in for some go. sort of game dark meat yeah and then provencal stew okay which we here we you go know, you mentioned as well you're nailing it you're nailing it also says you know all kinds of game yeah, this is definitely a meaty kind of wine, or if not meat, if you're going vegetarian, spices, because it will bring out so much. That Grenache is such a fruity, lifted wine. We didn't really talk about the structure that much, but there's not a ton of tannin in this wine, which is what's so pleasurable to me, and I think would be for a lot of drinkers, because you get all that intensity and depth of fruit and complexity without it being so heavy, you know? Yeah. Now, for years, you had a relationship to Grenache where it was Grenache was not your favorite varietal. Now, I probably would have liked this. But Fair enough. Well, I wanted to give you a chance to give your current State of the Union on Grenache. My current State of the Union is that well-made Grenache is welcome here. Not well-made Grenache is not welcome. It still tastes like just gross strawberry juice but well-made grenache i will enjoy i'm gonna have some more of that well this wine grenache. is welcome in your home yes it is the fact that Catherine and i are having more wine is a testament to this bottle of wine because we were going to open it and start slowly back into the year uh, of wine not doing a dry january over here but doing a thoughtful january and we said, let's just have half a glass. We'll save some for tomorrow, not get crazy. But once this wine opened up for a few hours, we find ourselves keep going yeah, back. Yeah, when we had a little sip with our dinner, it was like, oh, sure, we'll just have a little. But now, as it's revealing itself, it's like you can't. I was just looking up the grape varieties that are actually in this wine. So as I said, 13 are permitted. But this is 60% Grenache Noir, 15% Syrah, 10% Mavedra. 10% Cincel, 5% Cunois, Tourette, Muscardin, and Vaccarese. Let's talk about where you can find this wine or a wine comp at Esther's or other local wine stores. I would say you could probably find Domaine de la Solitude at a, at a number of places. It's not huge production, but it's not so teeny tiny it's not this isn't one of those esoteric wines that we've done on this podcast that are impossible to find you can find Domaine de la Solitude but there are other great producers of Chateauneuf de Pop as well and like champagne for the wine to be Chateauneuf de Pop it has to say that on the label correct that is the region if it doesn't say that it's not from there it might be from the Rhone but or it might be from southern France, or I don't know where, but it's got to say Chateauneuf de Pop. 
There are three. And that, it makes it easy when you're looking for Chateau Neuf. It's got to say it on the label. It's you know? easy. Any wine store is going to have it. I mean, back in the day when I worked at Domain LA, people would come in all the time asking for that. People come in Esther's all the time asking for it. It is one of those wines like Bordeaux or Rioja or, or Barolo. Like people just ask for it. And it's a great gifting wine because people know... It looks so great. So many people enjoy it. I don't know if all Chateau Neuf the Pop wine bottles have like um, the demarcations on the wine bottle, but you can see it. If you were to feel this wine label, it also kind of has a coat yeah. of arms on the on the bottle. That's the thing. Yeah. They do. That's cool. I can see why this gift would be welcomed at so many homes. So the logo is an insignia showing a papal three-crowned tiara above the keys of St. Peter's with the word Chateauneuf de Pop Controle in Gothic letters. Gothic, that's the that's what you were that's looking for yep. with the font. And it resembled the coat of arms of Vatican City. This traditional logo was created in 1937 by the Union of Owners controlling Chateauneuf de Pop. There you go. These are all ways for the owners to say, hey, this is our stuff. Yes. And anything that doesn't have this is a knockoff. Yeah. You can't use this crest if you're making wine in Central Valley, California. Yeah. This is, this is our thing. This is a great learning podcast for me because you and I, frankly, just don't drink enough that often. I mean, it's not something that you and I reach for very often. So it's cool to, and this is part of my goal for 2023, is to drink more of these wines that are popular amongst the people. And, and for good reason, we can taste what, how delicious when you find the right one in your hand, how delicious it can be. So we'll put a picture of this wine on our Instagram, which is at the long finish. Be sure to check that out. If you grab a Chateau Neuf, uh, either in January or as soon as you complete your dry January, give us a shout. Let us know how it is for you. Delicious first wine, 2023 for us. Really, really good. And I feel like this would be, it could be such a crowd pleaser, you know? Just make sure it's open for... Just open it for hours. three hours. <laughs> All right, now let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I will go first. Catherine's going to kind of cringe when I say this, but it's fantasy football for me. Ugh. I know. People make fun of fantasy football, but I consume a lot of my free time listening to people pontificate, theorize about fantasy football because I'm in love with game theory. I love game theory theory i love strategy i know you do i love all that stuff but you know also importantly it's fun to connect with your friends over this for six months of the year i talked to one of my childhood friends rob mcgrail on a weekly basis as we put our team together team came out a champion second place in some other leagues so just, I mean, just it's a great opportunity to connect with friends and i love what people do so often now are you know for the drafts they'll take trips together it's just a cool way for as much fun as people make about fantasy football is a great way to still connect with people and there's a thing called best ball which is becoming more and more popular and i want actually want to get involved with more where basically you draft the team and then you don't do anything else that's it you're done for the year so really it's only that day that's important I think Catherine can get behind that. I like to hear this I on record. I like this a lot. That you're like that. So more best ball for me. But shout out to all the podcasts that I listen to when I exercise. And uh, you, you, I also feel the power of podcasts because I feel like I know all these people having listened to them and their advice or bad advice for the last five months. So shout out fantasy football. Until next year, next season. We'll see you then. Catherine, what do you have? All right. Well, I did say I want to read 25 books this year. So I'm going to tell you. One of the books I read last year since 
I'm almost complete with my first book of 2023, but not quite yet, which was a book I enjoyed so immensely, although it came out in 2021, so I was a little behind the game, but I enjoyed so much that I sent a copy to my beloved aunts and my mother because I felt this rang true with so many people I know. Oh, yeah, and my friend Jenny. Oh, and I got a wreck of this from another friend, my friend Mora. So it's just all around. People are enjoying this book so much. Anyway, without further ado, it's Anne Patchett's These Precious Days, and it's her collection of essays. Some of these essays you may have seen in The New Yorker or other magazines over the years. She reworked them and included them in this compilation. There were a bunch of new essays in it, but it just... The way she writes about people that she loves and human beings and human nature and herself, uh, I found so enlightening and refreshing. It really gave me an appreciation for that form of writing yet again. So um, yeah, put it on your nightstand. Just read an essay or two. I I have it, Tug, if you want to borrow it. I'll put it next to my... (laughs) 158 New Yorkers on my nightstand. I bet you'll find an essay by her in those 158. I'm getting through all of them this year. That's the goal. Check back this time next year. See if we did it. All right, that's it. That's it for episode 92 of The Long Finish. Episode 92 is in the books. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. If you want to help us out by starting off the year with some ratings, reviews, and some subscriptions, please click the button at Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show. We're going to have more episodes this year, more guests. I've been talking about it. It's actually happening. It's in the works, so stay tuned for that. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Weil Coker. You can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Thanks for continuing to listen to the show. I hope everyone's having a great start to 2023. We'll be back hopefully in the next week or two with a new episode, so stay tuned for that. Until then, be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking. Ciao.